spirit has sent me lest some consume him back to David I have and I am so delighted and an honor to once again be invited to share at Sunday I want to give my thanks to Bonnie for sending me that invitation via email and um, I'm particularly thrilled to be able to do this with you in the month of January I have to kind of laugh that we all give ourselves such a greater sense of permission to hit the reset button sense of compassion to hit the do-over button and to create this sort of clean perspective and canvas of new possibilities. So I say, why not take advantage of that? A lot has happened since I was uh, with you in May. Um, several big life adventures. I, I walked the Camino again across the country of Portugal and Spain as a fundraiser for my foundation. That was quite something, and uh, I spent uh, a month in India launching what's called a, a launch program in my schools there in the slums of the state. Uh, WASH is an acronym for Water Accessibility, Sanitation, and Hygiene, and it's the world's greatest need. So I have been honored to be able to work with public health graduate students at Emory University couple of years to design a WASH program that is culturally sensitive to these slums in the territories where our education programs are. So it was time to launch that, and that was amazing as well. And some of the things that occurred on those events, the Camino in India, are what I want to share with you. Your theme this month is about grace. My self-subscribed definition of grace is the infallible love. The infallible love, the energy of that infallible love that will never desert me, abandon me, or forsake me. Regardless of my ingenuity, regardless of the depths of my perfection, it is the energy system, very much like the father and prodigal son, that welcomes the prodigal home, unfailingly, over and over and over again. To me, that's what I, I see as grace. And I see grace with open arms, always whispering, always beckoning me to a greater embodiment and a sense of self. And I think January uh, plays a huge part in some of us getting back in touch with grace. And so I want to speak to you a little bit today about how First one, uh, again, I walked the Camino de Santiago. If you're not familiar with that, it is the, our world, one of our world's most ancient pilgrimages. The Camino de Santiago leads the way of St. James, and there are now multiple routes across Europe that end in Santiago de Compostela, Spain, which is where the cathedral is for the apostle of St. James. It's where it is believed that his bones were buried. And the, the Camino was 
of a Christian pilgrimage that dates back to the ninth of Kings, and now is very popular, and there are multiple routes. I did the traditional route almost 12 years ago, and I decided to go back and do it again to bring awareness for Kaleidoscope Child Foundation and the educational programs that we have, and to use them as a funder. It was it was amazing. You know, I'm, I'm 12 years older than the first time that I did it, and even though the route that I chose to go started in Portugal, this one was a little bit shorter, um, it was an incredible talk, and like I said, I'm 12 years older, and there were many, many barriers, you know, the feet being wet and uh, physical requirements were a lot. So one of those days, I'm standing at the base of yet another hill. This one was bordering on a mountain, and I just didn't feel like I had it in me. And I was cranky, and I just had that overwhelming desire of, when I get in from the lake, I can't wait till this is over. So standing with my cap on, and standing at the base of the hill, those feet down, and I'm looking straight up, and it looks as though it is empty. And in that moment, something remarkable happened. I began to think about the idea of process. I started to see that no matter how much I wished for the plane to be over with, my wishing wasn't going to do anything. I had to put one foot in front of the other and begin to ascend this mountain in order to be able to make it to the top. But I also was aware of how universal we as a species lose ourselves, become sort of inert in this wishing for something to be over, and realizing that there is nothing, there is no escape from what we understand to be process. Process is ongoing, no matter if it's measured and defined as a physical day where you and I wake up and we go to bed. That day is always a process. So when we wake up, if we wish the day was over, no amount of the wishing is going to eradicate that day. We're still going to have to work through it. The same thing with every every interaction, every involvement, every connection, every uh, breath, everything is a part of a process. No matter how large scale or how granular it is, it's all process. And until we can become at peace with process, then what we invoke is a, a distancing or a forgetfulness about grace. And so I'm standing there, that, that, that was a lot of words, but I'm standing there and I'm, I'm aware that I'm wishing that this was over. And yet, all the wishing in the world, there was nothing going to happen. I start walking. And I began to notice that um, as I would put one foot in front of the other, and perhaps every 20 to 25 steps I would have to pause and breathe. Um, I have good stamina, but I'm not very fast. And so, could I make peace with, with each of those 25 step movements? And so I began there, began to honor the process of each, each measurement, each increment, each little mental system that I was creating in my mind. And then the next 20 steps. And my mind began to be absorbed about all these 
sponsor and back up that. Let me see if I can uncover something that you participate in that isn't defined by healthcare. Couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything. You know, we, we take all of that for granted, but when we're on a mission, we need to be engaging with the experience on the day we become mentors. None of that matters with the fact that the perfect cycle will begin to generate life in the spring. And so to fight process is self-defeating. But to notice process and then begin to accept that is a pathway to liberation. So I want you to pause for a moment and I want to want you to reflect and think about your own relationship with process. So we get sick and one of the things that happens when we're in the pinnacle uh, height of that illness is we just start to understand aging. We injure ourselves and so we maybe begin to disrepair things or go through this whole process and we wish that we could just have it all easy mending and not have to deal with this anymore. We suffer from a broken heart like our other as we go through those particular feelings, there are times when we just wish that all of that was over with. We start just a, a day on the job and we are discontented and we want to even wish the day was over with. And no matter all of that wishing, once again, we're not, we're not bypassed or not elevate us, pick us up and move us from any of those things. So, What's the lesson here? The lesson is our greatest teacher, one of our greatest teachers, is process. To begin to notice that by fighting process rather than welcoming death is one way in which we reframe. I like to say reframe freedom. When I say reframe freedom, it does something within my brain that lets me consider and allow that freedom has never been left. It's never been separate from it. It's just been forgotten in varying different ways. So when I reframe the freedom that has been already inherently within me, it's because I have words that make me peace with process. Even when I'm injured, even when I'm ill, Even when all of the things that are relational in our world that break our hearts, when we begin to see how all those things are working out of a process, then we can begin to make different choices in the way in which we relate to animals and their dynamics. So I'm walking up that hill, and I begin to just be aware of each step. I begin to play around with markers that gave thanks for my joints and gave thanks for my ability to walk and gave thanks for my foundation and the opportunity to bring awareness to it. You, you can see where this is going. It's, it's what the Abraham Hicks material used to call evangelism of situation. And I chose, instead of bemoaning the process, to just be 
podcast with the famous intro, We Be Here Tomorrow. Let's get started. Time passed and I made it to the top. And it was not that big of a deal. It was, it was not something that was as impressive and suffocating and dreadful as I had built up in my mind because I chose to just focus on that moment in time. I know that this is not anything new that you have heard, but I want you to think about this new year and your relationship with process and to begin to examine all of the the activities that you had in your life and how you can give more and more grace to the process. And by that I mean bring that infallible energy that is always championing you, even when you are riddled with self-doubt. As you begin something, and the voice of self-doubt says, well, you've been here before, and you didn't follow through, I don't know why you're trying to do this again. Instead of trying to fight that voice, just listen to it and invite grace to come in and to partner with that voice of self-doubt. And by partnering with that, we always know that that which is light has much more potency and power than that which is dark. Truth has much more potency and power than that which is false. And when those two things come in proximity together, that which is the forgetfulness, that which is the dark, cannot help but calm the mind. And so I want you to think about and to begin to invite in new opportunities by the way in which you relate to process. The second one, this is quite something. Um, so we're in Hodiah area, which is a little almost right now. I don't know if you've got Hodiah, by the way, is three things, because that's where the Bodhi tree is. That's the birth of the Buddha from the old uh, monastery. Every Buddhist country has a monastery in Hodiah. So it's this really unique place in the world where, um, in Hindu country, the birth of Buddhism to a Buddhist monk in Kamathi Rajavarta is quite, quite fascinating. But still, the juxtaposition of poverty is, is quite amazing. And so we were doing wash programs, and my partner got to come with me. My partner works in public health for the government and rarely gets to take a long extended timetable off their vacation. And he was planning and planning and planning for quite a while this year, but there was a little one that didn't just happen. And he was able to do that. So we're about a month. And he got to see the schools, he got to see the systems, he got to see everything that we were working on, plus be an integral part of the WASH program at lunch. And when it was over, he said to me, wow, Gary, do you realize that you established an appointment where one wouldn't exist before? And I thought, what do you, what do you mean, one wouldn't? And he said, by hiring said, by hiring Nandu, you brought employment into a family of, of lower-class family, females with skills. Nandu empowered teachers. The teachers were being paid. Those 
salary, girlfriend, anything on education, his children, his playground, and all this kind of stuff. It's something permanent that can organize you. When you are brought there, they are going to use this to hurt you. And I can't tell you how much that touched me and, and uh, really gave me pause to think. And it, it's not just me, it's all of the people that were involved that wrote these wonderful letters that got there. And I couldn't get the word economy out of my head. Economy. And I kept thinking then, if everything is like this one organism, then you and I are responsible to come and give the gift of a spiritual economy wherever we go. And what are the components of a powerful and potent spiritual economy? When you look up the word economy, it's the, it's the distribution and the acceptance, the exchange of goods and services. It's the meticulous management, if you will, of something. And as we are in a new year, as we are being invited to look at our process, it's not just about us that we are, quote, quote, healing or adjusting or renewing. It's the fact that by doing celebrating the fact that no matter where you are, you are not separate from God, which is the inviolable nature of the Creator. Each time that you make God and remember God, your spiritual economy pulses out and it affects people that perhaps you are not even aware of. process teaches us that there is no goal there. What I mean by that, the 
because whatever it is that they were trying to thrust into me to the point that they experienced, I had the availability of that experience as well, just standing there. As I as I got kind of hit with that awareness, the the wall to the left and to the right sort of evaporated in my mind, and and then even the framework of the doorway of the temple kind of evaporated, but the people were still huddled in this very finite kind of ant-like maneuver to try to get somewhere. And I realized that what I was being shown was what we do in our forgetfulness. We're all trying to get there. And again, there is no goal there. So the seduction of trying to bypass the process of where we are, oh my God, I wish I could this education or this degree or this job or this project could just be over. But the richness, the richness of what was awaiting us, the grace that is awaiting us, is for us to make peace with the fact that where we are is exactly, exactly the point of the Thank you. 